Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many things you've blessed us with this day. It's such a beautiful day it has been. And please be with us now as we get back into your word to understand it and apply it in the right way. Draw close to you through all of it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z in the word hell, we'll turn to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9, where we see the only mention of hell in the Gospel of Mark in verses 38 through 48. It reads, And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believeth in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. We see here the references to being very careful about how you treat children. And this offending of a little one can apply not only to children, but to young Christians. And if there be anything in your life that is pulling you away from a life with the Lord, you need to get rid of it. It's not talking about literally cutting your hand or your foot or poking your eye out or anything else. It's talking about removing things that you are doing or that you're looking at or you're participating in. They have to be cut away. They have to be removed so that you can walk the pathway the Lord wants you to walk on. And not to be offending the little ones because your behavior has an influence on the little ones. Your children watch what you do. And if you're doing something that they're going to imitate later that is ungodly, that falls on you. This also can be applied to if you have some kind of an activity or a behavior that draws children away from serving the Lord, which we truly see a lot of that on the increase in the world today with all this weird junk they're trying to perpetrate upon the children and the schools and the perversions and so forth. And, of course, in sports, when they pull children away to go play sports instead of going to serve the Lord, those that are behind all that will be paying for it. Simple as that. All right, now turn over to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke and chapter 10, we see here the mention of the word hell. In Luke chapter 10, pick it right up in 
Verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. So this is where he sends out the disciples to go and spread the gospel. He's therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Lambs among wolves. We understand that when we go out and start spreading the gospel, when we're amongst those that are ungodly, that are out to devour us, you might say, because that's what the devil's wanting to do. He's wanting to put obstacles in your way, want to keep you afraid, keep you away from spreading the gospel. But he's warning them here about what's going to happen. But he also gives us the opportunity to get out there and be a part of his work and great rewards for doing so. As he continues, he gives them some instructions on how to behave and even what to take with them, as he says here in verse 4. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. He's trying to prepare them to be efficient and to be focused. As he continues, And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. This kingdom is, as we say always, you got to watch and see what he's talking about when he uses the word kingdom. This is talking about the family of God, talking about the family of believers, salvation coming to the world that is come nigh or close to you, able to join in and become a part of that kingdom. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. When we're out there doing work for the Lord, when we're spreading the gospel, as he's given us that great commission to do, there will be those that will reject what we think is us, but it's actually a rejection of Jesus Christ, rejection of the free gift of salvation. There comes a point when we can say, okay, I'm done with you. I'm out of here and go somewhere else and spread the gospel. This can be on a simple level of interaction with an individual all the way up to an interaction with an entire nation. Here he's talking about entire cities. But the key is that you separate yourself from that, but you still pray for them and lift them up and give them to the Lord. Let the Lord work with them further. Let the Holy Ghost continue to do a work. They might not have been ready for it. They might not have been 
at the right time for you to be there, may somebody else might be able to reach them. So we move on and let somebody else come on in and do a work there. Because we got to trust in the Lord and know that He is doing a work whether we do a work or not. So when we fail, accept the failure, move on, continue to work, and pray for them, either individual or in complete nations. Pray for them, lift them up, give them to the Lord. Let him continue to deal with him as he continues. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. If they continue to reject, if they continue to turn down, if they get all the way to the point of judgment, as he says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, for woe unto thee, Bessadium, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which were done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. More tolerable. Because more had been given to these cities that he just mentioned, Kervizin and Messadium, than was given to Tyre and Sidon. So we see here how there'll be different levels of accountability according to how much you have been exposed to concerning the gospel, concerning the opportunity of salvation. Everyone in existence will have been given an opportunity of salvation. But depending on how much of an opportunity and how many efforts were made to reach that individual will be looked at. It'll all be judged. The more that he had been given, whether it be an exposure to opportunities or whether it be blessings, you are held accountable to the amount of what you've been given, whatever it may be. And here he's pointing out that these other cities here, they've been given so much, so much of a witness, so much that they could have been able to, to see and interact with and rejected it, that is more held accountable account against them because they rejected so much. Tyre and Sidon didn't have as much given to them. So there'd be different levels of accountability, different levels of punishment in hell, which will be thrown into the lake of fire later as we get. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at judgment than for you. And thou, Carpernium, which art exalted to heaven, shalt be thrust down to hell." Thrust down to hell. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. Clear and simple. Accept it or be held accountable for rejecting it. All right, now turn on over to Luke in chapter 12 in verse 1. Here we see reference to power to cast someone into hell in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, this leaven of the Pharisees, comparing it to leaven, leaven being something of, that causes bread to rise, as you know, and it takes just a tiny little bit to have an influence on the entire hunk of dough. So, 
the Pharisees, the little bit of influence that they had, could have quite a reaction. It reads, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. That's a scary thought for all of us, saved and lost. It's all coming out. It's all going to be exposed. It's all going to be looked at. It's all going to be judged. The only way to get it covered, the only way to get it eliminated, the only way to get it re- erased is to trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, ask for forgiveness, he wipes away all your sins, gone. As far as east is from the west, never be brought up against you again. That's the only way to get it erased off your record. But isn't it wonderful that all the many things that we did that were good, that were righteous, that were a godly work, that benefited the kingdom, all of it's going to be remembered. All of it's going to be looked at. All of it's going to be rewarded for. And that's awesome to know too. He's keeping score. And isn't it awesome? Verse 3, Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed Upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you of whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. He's talking about himself. He's talking about God. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about how we don't have to be afraid to lose our physical life. We have everlasting life. We that have become born-again Christians, that is. We do not need to fear death. We do not need to fear mankind. We need to fear judgment. We need to fear the Lord. He is the one that has ultimate authority over eternity. That's who you need to be fearful of. And that's a twofold fear, a reverent fear of the Lord and a fear of accountability. Get it right, keep it right, because we don't have to worry about this life. This life has been given to us as a blessed opportunity to serve the Lord. We use this life to serve the Lord. That should be our focus, complete and total focus. From the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, everything ought to be focused on, Lord, what can I do for you today? And do it. All right, now if you will turn to Luke in chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, and pick it up here in verse 19. He tells about a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. This is the words of the Lord teaching us about hell, actually. In Luke chapter 16, picking up verse 19. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. Now this term, Abraham's bosom, has been translated as being Sheol, 
which was the place of the dead in the Old Testament, Hades in the New Testament, translated as the word hell. And in the Old Testament, prior to the finished work of Jesus Christ, there was a place called Sheol, and there had a, a division in that, a section that was for the righteous dead and a section that was for the unrighteous dead. And that's what he's teaching about here. Now we know when the Lord ascended up into heaven after his finished work here on earth, he ascended to the Father. And he took all of those souls from the place known as Abraham's bosom and took them all with him up to heaven and are in paradise. He told the thief on the cross, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And this paradise was once what he notifies, or I should say what he identifies here as Abraham's bosom. But then that was taken up to heaven because then he starts referring to up in the place of reward, up in the place of paradise, up in the place of, of eternity instead of down to hell being the down. So here he's talking about how the difference between where the rich man wound up and where Lazarus wound up. Read 22 again. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, or if you go back to the Greek, Hades, we go back to the Old Testament, Sheol, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. See, they were able to actually look from the unrighteous section over into the righteous section at one time. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy time receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There's no way to travel from the righteous to the unrighteous section of Sheol of the Old Testament. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Those that have determined to reject Jesus Christ those that are determined to turn against the Lord, to live a selfish life. They are those that he's speaking of. They don't want to change. They are, 
so indwelt with their lustful desires that they do not want to leave sin. They want to cleave to that lifestyle and that behavior no matter what happens. They rejected Jesus Christ right there face to face with him. And they rejected him after he rose from the dead. Because he stuck around some 40 days preaching and teaching. And, and they continued to reject him. And they reject him today. And this will continue all the way to Judgment Day. All right, now if we'll turn to the Gospel of John. In John chapter 5, where we see the word damnation mentioned, which is speaking of an eternity in the lake of fire. In John chapter 5, picking up in verse 24, further teaching of the Lord, which verily, verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Will not come into condemnation. Condemnation means you are condemned. And where are you condemned? You're condemned to an eternity in the lake of fire. Hell. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. Spiritually dead. Here is another little clue about the the condition of mankind. We come into this world spiritually dead because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They turned against the Lord. Simple instructions, they turned against the Lord, and that severed the relationship that separated them from God. That is what death is, separation. And all the descendants ever since Adam and Eve, they're born, they're born separated from God, born spiritually dead. And it's up to us to accept the free gift of salvation, the free gift of reconciliation, to be reunited with God for eternity, to be reunited and be alive. So when he's speaking of the dead here, he's talking about those that are spiritually dead, that he can bring back to life, that he can reconcile to God. It is passed from death unto life. Verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Shall live. The dead shall live. The spiritually dead shall live and live for eternity. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Son of Man being born of mankind, because Jesus Christ come down, took on flesh to live amongst us, born a human life, and lived a perfect life, a sinless life, but then took on all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, and was crucified, died on that cross, paid the horrible death for sin, was in the grave, buried, was in the grave some three days, raised again the third day, and stuck around some 40 days preaching and teaching, ascended to the Father, sits on the right hand of the Father, and because of what he has done, that gives him the authority of judgment to determine whether someone is saved or lost. Verse 28, marvel not at this, 
For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The final judgment. Either eternal life or eternal damnation. Simple as that. There's only two ways about it. You either saved or you lost. You either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And it's an eternal place. Not temporary. Not going to be a purgatory where you get a second chance to come and try it again. No such thing. And we got to know that it is an eternal place of torment and lake of fire for those who do not trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, for those who do not reach out and accept the free gift that is being handed out to them, that being called in, beckoned by the Holy Ghost, come in, accept that free gift, receive salvation, and be looking forward to a wondrous existence with Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father and the Holy Ghost and on the brand new earth and amongst the brand new heaven, all created anew for us. I mean, so much to look forward to. All of us that have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have that to look forward to. But those that have rejected Him are going to be in that place of torment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in that lake of fire. All right, now turn to Acts in chapter 2. We see here the preaching of Peter, a sermon of his being delivered to the, the Israelites that were there today the of Pentecost in that area. And here he teaches about hell in Acts chapter 2, picking up verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy continence. These words have recorded for us to go back and study the words of, of David. And here he's given us a reference to the Holy One being Jesus Christ. Because when he went into that grave, when he was put in that tomb, that stone rolled in front of that there, he did not stay there. He come out of there. And he ascended to the Father. And we see that referenced in chapter 2, verse 27, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. The word hell here, being Sheol, or Hades in the New Testament, and place of dead. We'll remain in the place of dead, won't we'll remain in the grave. Raised from that. 
ascended to the Father, sits on the right hand of the Father, our great high priest. As he continues in verse 29, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise goes out to everyone. The promise says, Going out, all you got to do is receive that free gift that's being held out to you, and you'll be indwelt with the Holy Ghost, and you'll be a part of the family of God. You'll be looking forward to an eternity with the Lord, not an eternity away from the Lord in the lake of fire. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all oh so much for the many things you have re recorded for us to be able to study. And give us that hunger to always dig in there to find that message you want us to have and encourage us to share that with others as well. We look around, we see the signs of the times. We know it can't be much longer till Judgment Day. Help us all be ready for that. Lead God, direct everything we say, everything we do, that we can always bring honor and glory to you as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.